0: Do you have somebody in your life who loves books?
1: Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking that you're just going to love her latest selection.
0: And inevitably, you
1: just can't stand that book that they suggested. That's us. (laughs) We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy
0: books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and
1: fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. (laughs) Welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what?
0: Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're
1: librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books. Each month, we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would have never picked up on her own.
0: Even if a book isn't entirely your style it may have some redeeming qualities to it right i guess we'll see so
1: do you want to do the spoiler alert or should i'll start us off
0: okay because it's my book it is so spoiler alert now's the time for us to warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book including the ending and any magical twists so if you haven't read it yet And don't want us to spoil anything for you. Please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it. I'm not even going to say that you decided you aren't going to read it because you are. It's fantastic. Don't read
1: it. (sighs) What did we read?
0: We read a great book. Uh It was so good. So we read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. I personally own this book. And in fact, I own two copies of it. (laughs) Uh, It is... um, a book that I have read and reread a number of times over the years. So I, this was it first came out in 1980 or 79 or something like that, and I think the first time I read this was maybe in middle school, because okay. I was like in my first like science fiction fantasy kick, and I was trying to pick up all the classics. The classic. So I
1: right? was two years old at the time. Two years old. I was ready for it
0: then. <laughs> and I have reread it a number of times over the years. And I usually try and give myself enough of a gap between reading it that it's fresh again and I've forgotten parts of it. And I go, oh, ha ha ha, that is <laughs> that's so funny. I enjoyed that. Um It's, uh, so the two sets that I own, I own both a softback version (laughs) and a hardback version because I liked the different artwork on the covers. Right. (laughs) You know, you can't
1: judge a book by its cover. No,
0: but sometimes they're really pretty. That's true. You know, some art's really good. The cover on the softback one's kind of weird. It's got like a set of marbles on it in a grid pattern. Fine, whatever. The, The hardback one has better graphics to it. But I have already, I'm sorry, hardcore fans out there, I've cracked the spine. And dog-eared my soft cover version. Because it's mine, and I can do that if I want to. That's true. You could write in it, too. Oh, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not a rebel. <laughs> okay. So I have typed notes. <laughs> Ma'am. It's not a textbook. I mean, it could be a textbook. It's not a textbook.
1: I'm glad that you clarified that for me. Because I was a little confused.
0: Until I start, you know, whatever the college course I'm going to offer on the history right. of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy, which is actually five books. Mm-hmm. Or six, depending on how you count on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel like I've sold you on this
1: yet, Mm-mm. but there's so many good parts to it. They must be in the later <laughs> volumes oh, no, because not. I did not run into any good parts. Oh, That's it's not true. It's there were maybe three good parts, but they yeah. were not. So I will. My disclaimer <laughs> is that I was actually very interested. This has been on my list for a while. Um, never really got around to it. So it was nice to have, you know, a deadline. And
0: (laughs) so thank you for the assignment.
1: You're welcome. Um, I got, (laughs) when I went home and told my husband what we were reading, he went, (laughs) oh, and I think Uh it was more that he knew he was in for trouble because I was going to rant and rave the whole time. Love it. And it was true. I kept going like this. (sighs) It's a tiny little book Uh and I'm not going to make it.
0: I, so I uh, put this off as I usually do. sure. And I've read it so many times in the past that I wasn't really worried about right. reading it all and having a verbatim. So I took maybe an hour this morning and got through about 90 pages. So that's okay. We went out it a little differently. sure. Um, part of what tickles me about this series every time is that it is very clearly defined as a trilogy. Uh-huh and he couldn't stop, he couldn't help himself, he just kept going. <laughs> so the first book is The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and then it goes on to uh, the restaurant at the end of the universe and then um, life, the, uh, life, the Universe and Everything, So Long and Things for All the Fish and then uh, Mostly Harmless. Mm-hmm. And the author, unfortunately for me, maybe not for you, uh, died really young. Yeah. So he was born in like the early 50s, somewhere like that. In England, again, we apparently have been really indoctrinated to British authors over time. Yeah, so, it's bad. We colonialism. Yeah. We're going to have to work on that. Um, and he worked, um, he was trying to work as a writer for a long time. And I found this list of other jobs he did over time, <laughs> which was really funny. So, he was a hospital porter, nice, a barn builder, and a chicken shed cleaner.
1: Wow, D- did I you did... know that that last one was a job? No. And I would have, if if you had asked me to guess, I would have said that he worked for a municipality in some ah, sense yes. because he he's not a fan.
0: He's not, but he gets it. <laughs>
1: like he he
0: understands kind of the process. So he you know he he had always wanted to be a writer and like a dramatist. And part of what part of the mythos that I enjoy that I know that you do not <laughs> is the other things that he's wrote for. So like he was a scriptwriter for Doctor Who for a while. Uh-huh. And if I were to hazard a guess, because I don't think we've ever talked about it, I'm going to make an assumption that you've never watched Doctor Who. Any of them,
1: correct. Any of them? Nope. In fact, don't you remember that one of our famous arguments that we have over and over again, and you get so upset, so maybe Mm -hmm. I shouldn't be bringing Mm -hmm. it up, is is when... Oh, was it that that person? I don't know. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh, oh it hurts, <laughs> right to the heart. Okay, keep going. That was, that was gonna, it. I'm gonna that was it. That was the whole thing. Is that you get so upset with me because I don't know who this person is, and the first thing that happens is you yell, "Doctor Who," and yes. I go, I do, "That does not help me." So it could help you. But if what you helps me watched with watched it? With <laughs> that's funny. With Douglas Adams <laughs> is um, that he wrote for Monty Python. Sure. So. I get that. Like, he's very dry. It's very super-duper British. Yes. And and there was a lot that I liked. Like, I liked the language. He's right there with, you know, the Jeeves books, if I may That's fine. harken yes. back. Yeah. Um, There's no chap-chappy, but it's okay. Correct. Yes. It's more updated chap-chappy. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, a lot of it I just couldn't... I, I So I really liked... Um, Couple of things. I loved the explanation of documents being on display in City Hall. I thought that that was fabulous because you have to go into the basement and it's not you can't get there mm-hmm. and they're locked in a file cabinet in a bathroom. Okay. Past a sign that says Beware the Leopards. Sure. Yes. So all of that is great. I mean, that is how public display works. We know this because we work for the library, which is where documents actually are on public display. Yeah. He. I, so
0: that is one of my favorite parts at the start of this as well. It's mm-hmm. a little hook uh-huh. and. I kept imagining, like, you know, we work in local government, and we work in a pretty fantastic local government mm-hmm. that does not typically try and hide things. <laughs> uh, but could you imagine a member of the public, like, I would like to see this document about a rezoning. Well, sir or ma'am, you're going to go ahead and go to an undisclosed building. Mm-hmm. Good luck searching. Sure. Uh, go down the stairs. There are no stairs. You're going to have to repel down. Right. Uh, go into a bathroom. It doesn't work. There's no lights. <laughs> There's a sign that says, like, something could bite your face. Mm-hmm. So be careful about that. There's a locked cabinet. You don't have the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you found it? Huh. Go ahead and review it. How what do you think? think? <laughs> yeah. We'd love your feedback. So I, did, I liked that. And I love the, the little tie-in because that's happening at a local level on Earth while at the same time something similar yes. is happening in, in space. So I guess yes. I should give a little overview of the story, yes, too. Yes, please do. So the story is mainly focused on Arthur Dent, who is a kind of mild-mannered guy. He's in his early 30s. He lives in a like a suburb of London. And you start the book, and he wakes up, and he's going to go brush his teeth, and then he sees this bulldozer outside, and the city council that we have just talked about is bulldozing his house to put a bypass through mm-hmm. because you have to have bypasses just in general. They just need to be around. And um, his buddy, Ford Prefect... Uh, who happens to be a humanoid alien and has been stuck on Earth for 15 years. So I can say I've already lost you, but I'm going to keep going. So who lives on, lives on Earth right now, picks him up when Earth is going to be demolished because it is in the way of an intergalactic bypass for future transit routes. Correct. So now that Arthur Dent is off Earth with Ford, they go through these adventures, and they see different places and pick up different people, and at the end, you're left trying to figure out what the answer to the
1: ultimate question is no no you're left trying to figure out what the question is because you get the answer you do get the answer but the answer doesn't make sense if you don't know the question that is true and we blew up earth so you don't get to know the question correct or the answer so I'm going to tell you one of the little (laughs) quotes in the book that really resonated with me because it perfectly encapsulates my experience with the book And in this, I am Arthur. So, ready? ready? Yes. Arthur listened for a short while, but being unable to understand the vast majority of what Ford was saying, he began to let his mind wander. (laughs) So I kept kept listening and then going, damn it, I'm not listening, and then rewinding. And then my mind was just off doing other things, not at all captivated by, and I wanted so much. I know that this is a classic. I wanted so much to like it. I couldn't do it.
0: I, I had thought it was amusing when uh-huh. you told me that this was on your reading list. <laughs> because this is classic <laughs> sci-fi. Right. It's not like um, Dune or anything like that. Right. It's not like heavy, hardcore. There's not a lot military in it. Right. But it is classic comedy sci-fi. Right. And there is a ton of world building that goes on in here that I knew you were just going to be like, I don't care about any of that. So I have a little...
1: That's interesting that you say that because one of the things that I discovered about myself is, you know I don't like the world building. I totally mm-hmm. tune out. But I thought one of the things that frustrated me about this was that he pulled these cheap endings and so I couldn't decide because he did it so many times I was like, clearly this is a joke. Like he's making fun yep. of books that do this and yet he keeps doing it and that just annoys me. So uh-huh. like like when the police um, dropped dead because they were supposed to be breathing methane yeah. and it was the wrong... Yep. like. You had no warning of that. No. They just dropped dead. Yeah, and, I was and like, then you move on to the next thing.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, there's no yeah. plot. There's no there there. Oh, this is the start. This is oh. the start of the because So all the books play. <laughs> and I know you're not going to read the next. Okay, so I also have to explain. <laughs> this was meant to be a trilogy, and then he just kind of kept going, because okay. why not? And then he passed away in 2000 and 2000 or 2001. Please don't tell me that other people picked up the mantle. Of course they did. So he passed away very, very sadly. He was apparently working out and had a heart attack, Ooh, which is, is sad. And yeah. he was very young. He was almost 50, I think. Wow. And his um, uh, estate, or maybe his partner or spouse, someone mm-hmm. commissioned a sixth book. Okay. And that book was written by... Um, Ian Colfer, who wrote the Artemis Fowl books, oh, okay. which Here is you, another yeah. series yeah. I know you care nothing about, <laughs> but I have read all of them right. and loved them. So um, it's about a child super genius, evil mastermind, and developing a conscience over time. No,
1: wait a second. I did not give it anybody permission to write my biography
0: <laughs> child super genius well they wrote the sixth book here for uh, this one um, so i enjoy the original five-part trilogy uh-huh. i will read the sixth part but it's not canon for me because it. it's not written not by canon none. i do like that <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know if you picked up one of the things that may be uh distressing for you about the, the way that this moved forward is mm-hmm. did you know that this started off as a radio series
1: I, d- after the fact, I learned that when yes. I was doing research after the fact. So, yes. So, and that would be appealing because listening to it, yeah. it was, the the language is fun to listen to. Yeah. For sure. Well, so
0: the, at least, the, the total kind of plot line of this first book and most of the second and maybe some of the third was the totality of their radio series. Okay. And so the chunks where you go, oh, that had kind of a funny, like a, a stop. It was probably the end of a radio yeah. part of it. Yeah. And on the radio, you don't have as much time to maybe go into like this, that, or the other. I thought that you probably wouldn't like the cheap cuts over to uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide, where he would talk about the babble fish or uh, what they thought about earthlings. Right. Apparently, the one word in the guide is harmless, and then it got updated to mostly harmless. harmless. That was all that they worked with there.
1: Yeah. So, no, I actually, the the guide, that part was fine. I didn't object to that. Um, And I did... I loved, you just hit on one of the things that I did like about it. Now, my um, audio, pronounced it Babelfish, oh. which I was very interested by because, first of all, I didn't know that Babelfish exist Like, I knew that the website existed, mm-hmm. but I didn't know the history behind it. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this has to be a nod to this. That's really yeah. funny, and so that's brilliant, and I enjoyed yes. that very much. But creepy, because, like, you don't want, I don't want a fish in my ear. Correct. Yeah. Um, and I also loved one of the things that that <laughs> was very entertaining to me, was um, Eddie, the computer, and how they get so angry at him, you know, computer, do this for me, but stop talking for God's sake, and they're so angry at him, Um, which to me is exactly Alexa, (laughs) and so um, if, just in case somebody, like I think he, he hits the nail on the head 40 years earlier about how AI may not be as great as we think it's going to be. And how fantastic we thought digital watches
0: were. Like, Correct. I am at the top of my game because you have in 1980 because I've got a digital watch
1: on. Right. What else could I need? So just in case anybody, either of our listeners, mom or Amy, is listening in their kitchen near their uh, Amazon nonsense, this is a gift to you. Alexa, play Barry Manilow. <laughs> You're welcome.
0: Cruel person sometimes. <laughs> well, so I, I have many parts of this book that I loved, sure, because I have read it over time. But I also liked the author himself. He okay. he had uh, his own specific set of convictions that he he believed in really strongly, and some of those play into the way this is written. Like if we ever read, which. We may read it sometime. <laughs> the Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. Okay. C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. you know, his religious convictions play a lot into the way that he wrote his book. Right. Um, Douglas Adams had very strong feelings about the environment and technology and um, religion as well. And mm-hmm. they all kind of play in. And I, I'm always interested to see how the, the author's personal stake in things is interpreted through the writings. And um, my favorite... This did not come from the book. This is just a quote of Douglas Adams, I think, from when he did a... It may have been from a TED Talk he did. It may have been from a podcast, um, late 90s, early 2000. Okay. And it just feels so appropriate. <laughs> so he said, I've come up for a set of rules that describes our reactions to technology. Uh, one, anything that is in the world when you're born is normal and ordinary and is just a natural part of the way that the world works. Yep. Two, Anything that's invented between when you're 15 to 35 is new, exciting, revolutionary, and you can probably get a career in it. (laughs) Three, anything invented after you turn 35 is against the natural order of things. (laughs) Uh, You know, I love the way he played into that with the AI and with the watches and with how you interact with people. And it's also exactly what's happening right now, like with Alexa um, and all of the opportunities that people have to connect to technology and make their lives easier. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't mind a little hardness in life, so I I don't have one of those devices in my own home, but I have a younger sibling and I have family and they they could not live without them. (laughs) So, because it's natural to them. So I just, I really liked that that quote. And I also liked another of his personal quotes. I love deadlines. I love the whooshing sound when they make them when they fly by me. Because <laughs> so, he was not apparently a very great author. He took a lot of time and you had to like sit him down and force him to write stuff. Uh, which is why the first book of this came out in you know 20 years before the last one came out. Oh, that's funny. So,
1: yes. Okay, so you said you liked a couple of things. Mm-hmm. What didn't you like? Well, I've already sort of harped on one of them, the, the no plot and the cheap solutions. I just found that to be disappointing. I expected more. I, so the other thing is I I should also be clear because I'd heard so much about this. I think I had unreasonably high expectations. Okay. So, you know, just in fairness to anything you've heard a lot about, um, before you actually experience it yourself, Mm. a movie, a book, whatever. Yeah. Um, I also thought that don't panic was kind of a cheap ripoff of um, Atticus Finch, It's Not Time to Worry Yet, from To Kill a Mockingbird. Huh. And so, and that that resonated so hard with me, like, because mm-hmm. he's saying it in a very um, sweet, comforting way, mm-hmm. which is, I'll tell you when it's time to worry, it's not time to worry yet, mm-hmm. to his young kids. Yeah. And this is just sort of like, don't panic, to me. That is hilarious. <laughs> I have never made
0: that connection. And I've read To Kill a Mockingbird again, I don't know how many times right, either. Right. Um, I actually really enjoy Don't Panic on here because of what it's meant to say. Like, here is this tiny electronic book, which again was predating the work that they were yes, already doing. Yes, and that was brilliant. Here's this little tiny electronic book. Um, you couldn't possibly have a real book because it would be several buildings large and you can't drag it after yourself. Right. Uh, that is going to freak you out. Here is one guiding statement for you. Don't panic. Don't <laughs> panic. And it also resonates well for me right now because I have in my current purchase list a face mask that just has big faces on it that say, Don't panic. Oh, that's funny. Because, you yes, know, don't that panic. is appropriate. Yes. Right. Um, I, <laughs> I, If you ever have the chance, which I don't think you will care to, there were also a number of media items that came out of this. Okay. So there was uh, like a TV miniseries that came out in the mid 80s. And then a movie that came out in the mid 2000s. movie was awful. Oh, really? Really, really bad. Not okay. great at all. Okay. Um, the miniseries is so silly. It's very. 80- <laughs> so, like, one of the characters in this book is um, Zaphod. Uh huh. He's got two heads and three arms. Yeah. Now, think back to the early to mid 80s and the wonders of uh, costume design and how you would make a fake head right. and an extra arm. I'm picturing a lot of camp. It's fantastic for that value alone <laughs> right. when you get to see that part um, and the aliens that they've developed, right. like the the Vogons. Right. Mm, 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 mm. Hmm. That's that's some fun. That's just to watch it for nostalgia purposes. <laughs> but other than that, they're not like they're not fantastic. So I had a couple of things that I thought were really fun in here that you know. Maybe you did not care about as much, but I thought were fascinating.
1: Or maybe I zoned out and didn't listen to. So maybe I will love them. Please, bring them. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready to learn something. So (laughs) this book is a standalone book,
0: but it's part of a larger series. And so the storyline continues afterwards, and it picks up on threads that are already part of this book. And one of the pieces that it picks up on later is the idea that... um, Earth was this giant supercomputer right. and that the whole point of having this place was to help figure out stuff, right. like what the question was and what the answer was, and that we blew it up five minutes before you were able to get there, and um, that these tiny, super-intelligent we're going to try and steal Arthur Dent's brain right. so that he, like, they could use it to figure out, like, parcel back together what had happened on the blown-up Earth. The
1: irony of mice experimenting on humans is pretty fabulous. I mean, yes. So. The, those little kind of tie-ins mm-hmm. there. Um,
0: uh, Ford Prefect is one of my favorite characters. And I have a very <laughs> lengthy quote, but I'm going to read it entirely because it amuses me. And it was pretty close to the, the beginning because he was stuck on Earth for about 15 years didn't mean to be. Mm-hmm. He's a researcher for this hitchhiker's guide, and then he got stranded. Right. But you know, he adapted, because what else are you going to do? So he, one of the, the quotes in here says, one of the things that Ford Prefect had always found hardest to understand about humans was their habit of continually stating and repeating the very obvious, such as, it's a nice day, or you're very tall, or, <laughs> oh dear, you seem to have fallen down a 30-foot well, are you all right? <laughs> Uh, At first, Ford had formed a theory to account for this strange behavior. If human beings don't keep exercising their lips, he thought, their mouths probably seize up. After a few months' consideration and observation, he abandoned this theory in favor of a new one. If they don't keep exercising their lips, he thought, their brains start working. (laughs) After a while, he abandoned this one as well for being obstructively cynical. So I love that even though it's these jumbled pieces that lead into a larger series, um, that he is using this as a way of social commentary, kind of, about how we interact with other people and the kind of societal norms that we have and technology. And this book doesn't really do like a lot of xenophobia because Arthur Den is just freaked out. right? But that, that gets into it later on as well. And I just love that I love that science fiction gives us that opportunity to think in a not personal, not uh, intricately involved in your own personal world way about how we interact with others and how we interact with technology and the world around us.
1: Yeah, and I think that science fiction has a great opportunity to um, put our problems into a different culture or a different, different situation so that you can look at them objectively and not feel like... It's a personal insult. Yeah. So I get that and I, and I appreciate that. Um, this one, I, I think I just, I, I was puzzled. Like, am I not getting this? Is there other, is there more to this that I'm not understanding? Am four I too dumb books. for this book? There's four more books. Hmm. You should just keep reading them. We could do the next podcast on the next book. Thanks, I'm gonna or say no. Or i I'm we gonna, gonna say no to that. Them. But one thing that I didn't, didn't make my list, but I did enjoy was the importance of a towel. <laughs> A good towel is an important thing to have. It is so important. I fully yes. agree. Yes. I fully agree. To me, <laughs> I'm willing to splurge on good sheets and good towels. So that resonated with me, but not because I need them for entering new Galactica world. Uh, you don't know what purpose that towel could have for you. True.
0: It could be something that you use to wrap around yourself if you're exploring a very cold planet. <laughs> it could be something that you lay upon on the beaches of a very warm planet. Oh, dear. It could be something I've you wrap around something. your head and your. I'm not remembering the exact words, but this is pretty close to it. It, it could be something that you wrap around your head and face to protect yourself from methane-based gases on new planets. It could be something that you actually dry yourself off with, but only if it's clean enough.
1: Could it be something that you <laughs> stuff
0: in your director's mouth when she no. starts talking about things? You may not. This is my book pick, and I will talk about it as long as I want to, which is a long time, because it's so good. It's so good. Um, <laughs> I love that the answer to the ultimate question is 42, mm-hmm. but the computer was like, you didn't tell me what the question was, right. so I don't know. This so seems good. Surprised that computers are very literal. <laughs> but I just love, I, so I have told you, I read this for the first time when I was in middle school, and I was like, 42? <laughs> What does that mean? Disappointing. No, no, not disappointing. (laughs) More like, um, it opened my mind, like, what could this be the answer to? What did he think when he wrote 42? Was he just trying to mess with me? Mm -hmm. And everybody? Mm -hmm. What does 42
1: mean? What's a divisible why? Well, would it save you a lot of time if I just gave up and went mad now? No. Arthur does ask that question, and no. I appreciated that one.
0: No, he's, see, I knew you would connect with something in there, and you connected with the poor man who got plucked off of Earth mm-hmm. after it got blown up. Then um, that was another thing I enjoyed a- as, a, as, a, as a, um, an opportunity to think about how you connect with things. So mm-hmm. when Earth gets blown up, Arthur sits there, and he thinks about different things. So he thinks about his family. He doesn't really feel anything. Mm -hmm. He thinks about England. He doesn't really think about it. And then he thinks about the pub that he goes to, and it's real to him, Mm -hmm. and it's connected, and he gets really upset. And then he thinks, okay, well, what about America? I don't really know America. What about New York City? I don't really know New York City. What about dollar bill? Okay, I know what a dollar bill is. I am upset that those are gone. So being, (laughs) you know, highlighting that you can – Sometimes to deal with things, you have to parcel it into little tiny pieces to figure right. it out. Um, this book was less about a plot line for me because yep. it extends so far and more out about to the universe, out to the universe <laughs> and more about the little pieces of things that made connections. So that's
1: why I, I enjoyed this book. I'm glad you read it, even if you didn't love it. I'm glad I read it too. I'm truly glad. And now I don't have to read the rest of them. So thank you. Thank you for that time back. Uh, I think that you are mistaking that I have an opportunity
0: to choose every other book.
1: That's true. So That's true. And I'm going to pull a little bit of um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide and say, don't make it poetry. <laughs> that was a good one, too. There's some very bad poetry in the yes. book. Very, very. That is very... a little bit uh, redundant.
0: That poetry was many things. <laughs> none, none of them good. Okay, well, what, what uh, horrifying volume are you going to have me read next?
1: Um, I'm going to shock you. I'm glad you're seated because you are not going to believe what I've picked for you for next month after this, my not connecting here. Jasper Ford's The Air Affair. E-Y-R-E, not A-I-R. Did you say his last name correctly? <laughs> Ford. f f f f f f f f f f f f f f f f f f I f f f f f f That I there are things that where you can be super creative and not tied to the earth that I get and I appreciate just not that. Okay. I want to show where where I think it's done well. Okay. I look forward to this
0: one. Mm -hmm. I have read the airfare before, but it has been a very long time, Mm -hmm. so it will be almost like I'm reading it fresh and new. And uh, I enjoy some forward. (laughs) Forward. It will be fulfilling.
1: Forward.
0: No, that'll that'll be. That'll be an interesting one. I will try and think if there are any books in your typical genres that I have enjoyed over time and would want to reread. Well, you already did with Cleopatra. Oh, I mean, that, that was, was a good one. That was
1: kind of all that me. Was,
0: that's so historical fiction. Okay, I'm getting off anyway. topic now. So.
1: Well, Yay. thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What?
0: <laughs> Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, uh, there are millions more out there, and we know you'll find a great one that'll be your next best read. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So please join us next month where we will be discussing The Air Affair by Jasper Ford. Thank you so much and keep on reading.
1: And if I could just say one last thing. Yes. Alexa, play Copacabana. So mean. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. <laughs>